0: For women with disabilities, we find it difficult to settle down maritally because of the attitudinal barrier. Ah, she has a disability, she cannot have sex, she cannot even bear children, whereas it's not true. I have many friends of mine that have given birth to children, and they have different types of disabilities. Some of them are physically challenged, some of them are visually impaired. Some of them are hearing impaired. And some of them are women with albinism. They have given birth.
1: Welcome back to Africa Science Focus, the weekly science and development show from Side of Net. I'm Ogechi Kianyao. We're back for our Science Explained series. And this week, we examine the barriers women with disabilities face in accessing the sexual and reproductive health care services they need. Women with disabilities in the sub-Saharan Africa region often encounter obstacles in accessing health infrastructure. They are stigmatized and often lack awareness about sexual and reproductive health care issues. Surprisingly, these challenges persist despite the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities which advocates for equitable opportunities in quality health care. You were just listening to Lois Auta Udokanta, the founder and president of the Network of Women with Disabilities in Nigeria. Her organization addresses the poor knowledge of reproductive health issues and empowers women and girls with disabilities to advocate for their rights. She trains these women to demystify misconceptions about disability and sex. Lois, who is a person with disability, shares her story and negative societal reception she faces as a woman with her reporter, Ijama Okaze.
0: I was affected by polio when I was two years old. I grew up and found myself differently from other children within my home, my compound, my school, my church, and anywhere I found myself then. So inferiority complex set in. I refused to mingle with children of my age, in my class, and other places, until my mom sat me down one day and said, Lois, listen to me. You have to be a strong girl for me. You have to be grateful to God for creating you this way. You have to be proud of yourself, and you have to be confident that, yes, this happened for a reason. So she began to Give me some orientation, and it really worked because 40 years afterward, here am I, a global leader, a global citizen, a Mandela Washington Fellow, and many other women of the first. I'm a peace So, and one thing with my, myself and my disability is I see my abilities more than my disability. Polio only affected my legs, but it can never stop me from going to where I want to be, from achieving my dreams. Polio or disability is a blessing to me and not a cost. She says her experiences led her to establish the network
1: of women with disabilities.
0: The culture, the tradition, the patriarchal system of treating women in Nigeria, in Africa, and other parts of the world has inspired me. As women with disabilities, 15% of persons with disabilities in, in this country are women and girls with disabilities, and we are excluded in many sectors. Women with disabilities go through various challenges, barriers, and difficulties, accessing health, sexual, reproductive, health rights, women and girls with disabilities pass through triple jeopardy. We are treated as third class citizens. Yes, third class. Because we are women. Secondly, we are women with disabilities. And lastly, the barriers that are stopping us from living independent lives. Is it infrastructural barrier? Is it institutional barrier? Is it Medical barrier, is it attitudinal barrier, economic barrier? They are many. Most of the challenges is having sexual and reproductive health services because women and girls with disabilities are poorest of the poor. They find it difficult to to access hospitals. For example, those in wheelchairs. And I will never stop to share this story when one of my friends who was pregnant, she's a wheelchair user, she went for antenatal. She was attended to on her way out of the hospital. She fell off from the staircase. And that was how her pregnancy got lost, she miscarried. As a
1: disability rights advocate, Lois discusses the challenges women with disabilities encounter in accessing reproductive and sexual health services in Nigeria, and
0: she also shares with us how it can be addressed. We need to keep on talking. We need to keep keep, um, creating awareness, sensitizing the public that disability can happen to anybody at any time. it didn't happen to you in your early age, when you are old, it might happen to you. Just like someone used to say that um, once you are alive, they have not stopped um, creating you. So we need to keep on the advocacy. Another one is um, implementation of policies. We have Nigerian Disability Act that 5% of all opportunities should be reserved for citizens with disabilities. We have the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, and beautiful legal frameworks that we have. So, we need to, to keep on reminding policymakers and other key actors to ensure that these policies are implemented. At the grassroots level, we should keep on talking about those issues. Let's talk to our women, our traditional, Systems on the right of women and girls with disabilities accessing family planning services. So we can come up with ideas or project on radio stations to be able to incorporate those that have not gone to school that they don't understand English. And uh, another one is to keep reminding stakeholders at governance level to make inclusive health a priority in all their agendas. And another one is health workers should be trained on monthly, baby and monthly basis or quarterly basis. And they should know and be aware of the needs, the challenges, the difficulties of women and girls with disabilities accessing healthcare services and facilities. Salome Net,
1: Executive Director of Heart to Heart Inclusive Education Foundation and an inclusion champion on Sidesaver's inclusive family planning project, discusses the cultural barriers faced in Northern Nigeria, a region known for its conservatism.
2: You know, in this part of the country, we are so much uh, cultural people you know, we, we are answerable to our husbands, absolutely, and to the families. When I say family, the head of the family and the mother-in-law. So sometimes if your mother-in-law does not permit, you cannot go to the hospital, even during delivery. You cannot. Even if your husband says yes and the mother-in-law says no, or the father-in-law, you cannot go. Because the culture does not permit you to disrespect them or whatever instruction is given to you. So with that you cannot just go to the hospital. And uh, also if your husband is not around, supposing you are in your house with you and your husband alone, and he is not around, the culture does not permit another man to give you to assist you or even another person, without your husband's being there, you cannot go out of the house. So you are restricted somehow. If you are on that labor, about to deliver, not to talk about going for antenatal care or to access any other services, then coming to family planning uh, services, culturally, you cannot go. You can't take that decision on your own because it has to be from your husband or your mother-in-law that will decide and agree for you to access such services. So you cannot go because you are under their authority. So culturally, you are bound to obey and respect whatever dictates so that you don't risk losing your marriage. So that also is there. And again, the belief that um, uh, your culture does not permit you to... To control birth, so they believe family planning is controlling uh, re- uh, your your restricting the number of children you're going to have, because it is birth control. So you do not allow the woman to give birth to all the eggs that are in her the womb. So that is a cultural uh, belief because they feel the ha- the more children you have, the stronger your family is and uh, more balanced and guaranteed because they are farmers and they believe you have more number of children, you'll be able to to have large farms and there will be plenty of food in the house. So culturally, a woman, a woman, a woman with disability experience this uh, problem because she cannot dare to go out.
1: Salome, who is also visually impaired, explains the impacts of these cultural practices on women with disabilities, and shares with us how it contributes to the health restrictions
2: they experience. First off, it is the stigmatization. You know, persons with disability are being seriously stigmatized. You know, people feel there are certain things that women with disability should not access. You know, so When you go to the hospital for such services like the, uh, sexual reproductive health rights of women with disability, they feel you should not, as if you are different from every other, uh, person without disability. So that is a very serious one. We also experience attitude of health workers, the way some of them do attend to us because they look at you and pass some, some comments that shouldn't be, like uh, you have a disability, you're not pitying yourself, putting yourself through these things like pregnancy, bearing children, without pitying yourself, you know, and uh, they will not attend to one the way it should. So you see their attitude also discourages um, women with disability from coming or visiting the hospitals. We also have um, lack of awareness because sometimes some people feel they should just decide for you because you do not know. They may not really explain or take their time to tell you and give you that freedom to choose. They will now want to choose for you because you have a disability and they will not give you the necessary information you need to know about it. So that you can make an informed choice. So we also have this challenge and uh, accessibility, because some of the hospitals you know they don't have good routes. So before you could get there, as a woman with disability, if you are on the wheelchair, you cannot access it. If you are on uh, if you are moving with your mobility cane, you know, you can easily fall because the roads are not good. So we have this uh problems too of accessibility. Joy Shuaibu, a medical professional
1: and program manager for Sight Savers Inclusive Family Planning Project, advocates for sexual and reproductive health care to be disability inclusive. She tells us how the project is operating to help more women with disability. In terms of
3: improving the inclusion and accessibility of sexual and reproductive health services for women with disabilities, especially in conservative areas in the North. I want to believe that the focus will be on social behavior change communication uh, because most of the um, things that have served as a challenge from ensuring that women with disabilities are included in sexual reproductive health services and uh, ensuring also that the facilities are accessible for such women is because people uh, generally have their stereotyped attitude and behavior uh, towards women with disabilities. So I would say if we're looking at that, one major aspect is to develop social behavior change, communication initiatives that will challenge the current thinking and also uh, provide the necessary um, awareness for stakeholders. And if whatever interventions we're doing will be sustainable, there also needs to be um, issues of policy that will help protect these people and mandate for sexual reproductive health care providers to ensure that their services are accessible uh, to uh, persons with disabilities.
1: Joy shares with us the strategies for empowering and supporting women with disabilities in making informed decisions about their sexual and reproductive health care.
3: I believe that in terms of if you talk about empowerment, you're talking about education. Uh, A woman who is not educated will not be empowered enough to make an informed decision. And uh, so it's important uh, for uh, women especially in northern Nigeria, to have the necessary education so that they can be empowered to make these decisions. So ensuring that um, inclusive education uh, gets to these women, you know, and they are able, you know, to make such decisions will be helpful. For me, I think that is the basics for empowering them to decide for their rights. So best practices would be in data because people would like to um, get the evidence. So I would say uh, one of the things that we need to invest in is to um, collect and consolidate data that shows um, clearly where the gaps are in terms of uh, women with disability and uh, especially uh, in our setting where we practice uh, so that it can get the attention of policy makers, it can get the attention of the community to know what magnitude of problems we're dealing with in terms of discrimination. So conducting research and survey focus group discussions can help to uh, consolidate that data. But um, it's not enough to just collect the data to also find opportunities to disseminate the data in a way that those who are stakeholders and are policymakers can um, have access to that data and be able to respond appropriately to such data. So... um. When we have uh, that disseminated, then we can uh, build the advocacy and empower persons with disabilities themselves and organizations of persons with disability uh, to speak up for their rights uh, so that uh, this can be brought uh, on board. Then the media plays a significant role in um, social behavior change communication that will help to tackle some of the myths associated with persons or women with disability accessing sexual reproductive health services. And if if we are able to do this, I believe that uh, we will go a long way uh, in raising awareness and combating the stigma and discrimination against women uh, with disabilities in relation to their sexual reproductive health rights. There are also um, policy-related barriers that... um, persons with disability face in terms of accessing uh, sexual and reproductive health care services because we don't have special uh, policies that protect uh, financially these people and empowers them with the ability to access this care uh, without uh, them having to pay heavily uh, for those. And of course in terms of policy also Uh, Some areas have the policies, but the policies are not implemented in such a way that health facilities are able to freely accommodate persons uh, with disabilities.
1: So what changes can policymakers integrate in this regard? We go back to Joy. I feel that the policymakers
3: need to be enlightened. And as an organization, we have tried to do that in Nigeria. And um, if organizations... INGOs uh, who work with persons with disability understand the strategic position of policymakers. First, we need to start by enlightening them and helping them understand the magnitude of the problem. And uh, once we activate them, it's easier for them to take it forward and see it as a priority. So um, educating them and uh, engaging them with the facts and evidence will be a good way to start in making sure that uh, we get the attention advocating also to government because it is the responsibility of government really to provide healthcare services to all of its citizens. And in Nigeria uh, specifically, there are more than 25 million persons with disabilities who live in Nigeria. And it is common knowledge that um, women with disabilities face even a double stigma. Uh, they are more and more marginalized than men who have disabilities because of the nature of our community. So, and we know how strategic women are in general towards development. So any country who is looking to develop their economy and be productive will need to pay attention uh, to ensuring that services, not only healthcare services, are available uh, to everyone, especially women with disabilities, because they constitute a very uh, significant proportion of the total population of our countries. Um, I believe sincerely that a lot will improve in terms of economy and productivity if women with disabilities are given the rights to education, to health, to economic empowerment. And um, to do that is to also engage early enough uh, in a sustained way, in a constructive way uh, with, 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 with with the policymakers because they are the ones uh, who hold the the decisions.
1: Ramatu Ahmed lives with a physical disability and resides in Kaduna State in Nigeria. She currently works with Women with Disability Self-Reliance Foundation in the state.
2: Ramatu shares some roadblocks she has faced. One, we have a stigmatization and discrimination which women with disability face to assess family land. Um, at, bad attitude of service providers is also one of the cultural barriers. And another barrier is people in the community discriminate us by saying that we cannot have children as persons with disability should not have children. What they see is that as a woman with disability or a person with disability should not have children because they thought that having children is like suffering. They are suffering Uh, So they look at it as if they are not supposed to have children. They are not even supposed to get married because what are they going to do once they get married? How will they take care of themselves? How will they take care of their children? So the society or the community look at it. And secondly, again, they look at it as if we are not supposed to live independently, fulfill our life. Another barrier, again, is lack of information and availability of the um, family, family planning by women and adolescent girls with disability is also one of the barriers, too. One of the barriers is um they have lack of information and resources available because some of them in the community do not have funds to access family planning. Because sometimes you see, they tell you uh, family planning services is free. Maybe by the time they get there, they find out that the family planning services are not free. Or they can tell you, the service providers will tell you that the ones that was provided as for free are finished. And the ones they have is for, the resources they have is for sale. And some of them, those that are aware of this family planning availability will now tell them that they don't have the funds, so they decide to leave without accessing it. So fund resources is one of the barriers. And again, the second barriers again, is um, unaccessibility, as, um, unaccessibility structures. You find that some of the service uh, providers, some of the health clinics, are not accessible for women with disability. Maybe there will be no run into the staircase, how can a woman with disability access the health services? And also, when you look at the attitude of the health workers, some of the at- attitude of the health workers are bad. Some of them, will instead of encouraging, they discourage women with disability not to access family health services.
1: Ramatu does a lot of work with persons with disability, she explains
2: how best to provide adequate services for them. Before making any decisions on them, I need to confide from them, get information from them because I am just like I'm a spokesperson with them. So I get information from them, they make decisions. And she always sees that policies are this, uh, uh, policies are made and procedural that are inclusive for them. Number one is to collect feedback from them, and also to collect feedback from them. By collecting feedback from them is by getting informations from them, the informations they want to be to be implemented, the informations they want to be carried out, and mostly it also to get the same informations from the parents of children with disability and in my own organizations, again, what we do in our own organizations, we track whoever. We, we assess, we assist through maybe financial resources, empowerment. We assess their resources and to see how it works for them. That is by providing information from there, how it assess, how it helps their lives. What made me, motivated me to join the disability affairs board first is that I really want to assist my fellow women with disability to change their lives in a different way and to also to advocate for the rights of women and adolescent girls with disability and for the women with disability self-reliance foundations and what actually motivated me there is to create awareness on the rights of women with disability and adolescent girls with disability more especially children with disability who are kept in their homes without sending them to schools. And also to advocate on the right of children with disability to take them to school to see that these children with disability are given education because I use myself as one of the examples. If my parents were didn't educate me, I wouldn't be where I am to be. So I want other parents Who has children with disability to be like them because my parents are my mentors. How can policymakers resolve the health challenges
1: women with disabilities experience? Ramatu shares some suggestions.
2: Policymakers have a lot to do. One of them is policymakers should try and add more funds to health services. More funds to health services. And policymakers to also create to create a site, a, create a direct officers for women with disability in their health services. And they should also remove barriers that will prevent women with disability from accessing health services. The same policymakers should also make sure that healthcare providers are trained on disability inclusions so that in every activities, it will not look, it will not be new to them. And finally, they should see that uh, disability inclusion should also be promoted. Should be promoted in health services, health health service centers, both in primary health and secondary health. And they should also promote awareness and educate whoever is in charge of health healthcare services to see that persons with disability have equal rights with others in attending health services. That's all from us at Science Explained Today. If you
1: want to find out more, head to the SciDevNet website. That's www.scidev.net Today's show was produced by Alice Hurst with editing by Ogechi Eke and Titilope Fadare and hosting by me, Ogechi Keanyao. Today's reporter was Ijoma Okaze. Until next time, goodbye. <music> Africa Science Focus is produced by Sidefnet and distributed in association with your local radio station.